Yo, 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 yo. If I'm jittery, I've lots of two cups of coffee on the go here. So why? Done a taste test this morning of so we got the AeroPress going again there about two weeks ago. Going so again. In, yeah, okay. but it'd been in the it'd been in the drawer for Okay. Years. Yeah. It's like I was, it's such a simple thing. I was thinking, how do you, how does it <laughs> yeah, yeah. malfunction? It started. As I, I was drinking it, like having it for the last week, I was like, I don't know if it's that much different. And the amount of mess I make is insane. When using That's, the AirPress. Yeah. Mm. Just bits everywhere. Coffee mm. everywhere. Coffee grinds everywhere. So this morning, done a a taste test. Do you know the standard filter coffees? You know, like a sunbeam, you know, you buy them for $20 job. You pour the water in the back, comes in down through the grounds, through the filter and into the big pot, like you see in American diners. Yeah, yeah, like a drip coffee thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've been using that one most of the time. And that's handy because there's no work involved. So done mm-hmm. a taste test this morning and they're the exact same. So <laughs> AeroPress has gone back into the, the drawers. So I have two cups of coffee on the go. <laughs> <laughs> the both taste the exact same. How yeah. are you doing? Sound, sound, sound. When on coffee, actually, I don't know if I told you this. I told someone this during the week. I went to Starbucks, just while it's in my head, sorry. Sorry, podcast. Drove to Starbucks the other day, got the um, got a takeaway coffee, and uh, ordered my... Uh, they actually have a blonde roast. Do you ever, ever try blonde roast? You know, you have dark roast, medium roast. Starbucks have a blonde roast. Right. It's actually quite good. It's sweet. It's different. I'm, I normally wouldn't be one for the old chains or whatever, but Starbucks doesn't do a bad job for a franchise kind of setup. Does but order the old blonde people, roast. There's coffee people all over the world going, what's he on about between nah, 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 this and the AeroPress and, and, and big enough hey, man, Starbucks. It's just a matter of fact. It's just a matter of fact. <laughs> I don't... Oh, I mean, right, right. Matter of opinion. Matter of, matter of opinion. <laughs> it's a matter of fact. But uh, anyways, get to the front to pick up the coffee and then your one is like, uh, oh, uh, you're good to go. And I was like, oh, what? And she's like, oh, the guy in front of you, I paid it forward. I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah. And then she goes, uh, do you want to pay it forward for the next person? I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how it works. What's the point? Yeah. But like it flipped from being like a very, a great feeling. And then when she says, oh, do you want to buy for the next person? I said, no, to a feeling of feeling like a dick. <laughs> so I don't know how that's supposed to work because everyone's supposed to pay it forward how long is the, the chain of, of the paying day. it forward like yeah exactly well when does that start and then well I didn't think there was any chain for paying it forward I just thought you give it to the next person you can't just keep paying it forward to the, like the only one person a day benefits and everyone else feels bad yeah and progressive, progressively and I could have paid it forward for more than it was paid forward for me and yeah, how do you, how much do you leave there? Do you say <laughs> I don't know? It's just here's it a, a, here's ten euro. Here, you know, here's ten dollars <laughs> for whatever they want, or do you just say they're only getting <laughs> an espresso? I, I, I don't give a shit. I don't know. I like, or it's the, the, the guy by the end of the day, the last fill in the queue, has got like fifty dollars worth of coffee. He's just buying you know muffins and whatever. And what happened then? Anyways, after that, yeah. So then <laughs> she says, "You're good to go." And I was like, oh, great. So I just took off driving. But I had no coffee. I'd left her with the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so did yeah. you actually end up paying it forward and get no coffee? No, I didn't pay it forward. Didn't... So I end up with nothing. No coffee, no pay it forward. But <laughs> did you go back for the coffee? I, so I, I looped back around <laughs> and really confused everyone by rejoining the drive-thru. <laughs> 
but uh, it was kind of funny. Actually, I did something similar recently. I was in Tesco and just, you know, the self-service thing. Put everything through. <laughs> put, every, put everything through. And then I had my earphones on. So, you know, the way it normally tells you if you're doing something wrong or whatever. I put everything through. It didn't tell me I was doing anything wrong. And then I just picked up everything and started putting it in my bag. And um, I just walked out the door, right? And next thing you hear, oh, some woman comes, comes running out after me, shouting. So you've scanned everything and you've just chewed into the bag and you're just walking out. Yeah, because I had my earphones on. Yeah, and, yeah. and because I had the earphones on, I obviously wasn't hearing whatever the warnings were. And uh, <laughs> The warnings. Because <laughs> I just was looking into the bag. So I went back in. I was like, Jesus Christ, sorry, 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 sorry. I totally forgot. I totally forgot. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, took out, but well, anyway, paid it or whatever. And then the irony was, at that precise moment that I had been packing my bag, I was listening to something about multitasking. <laughs> the <kind> of <laughs> <interesting> multitasking. <laughs> and the fact that it doesn't, it's not a real thing. Oh, the fact that on that day it was certainly a <laughs> limitation. Good stuff, good stuff. Anyway, so let's get into this. We're probably killing people here. So, yeah, what are we going to do today? We're going to... Well, first, thanks to everybody for the feedback. It's been great, you know. Uh, yeah, plenty of feedback coming, all constructive. We'll take all of that on board and try and keep plugging away. Seems to be, you know, anyone we've chatted to seems to be getting a bit of benefit or enjoyment out of it anyways. And like I say, I'm I'm certainly uh, thinking about my jiu-jitsu and, and the world a bit more. What about you? Yeah, it's actually focused my my attention quite a bit on, on this stuff, so... Um, yeah, the feedback is great, and if people are getting anything out of it, or you know, if people would rather hear us do a bit more of this or a bit more of that, or a bit less of this and that, yeah, even if it's, it's I mean. something yeah, that we jiu-jitsu, less jujitsu, more EBD, less be. I suppose it is what it is. You know, it's just gonna, you know, the, that's the joy of it. We're not gonna trying to. It's just gonna work. Right, we can't accommodate everyone, but you know, we'll also do our best to be sensitive to the fact that people are listening. <laughs> we should say if you have just if this is the first one you are listening to. And if you want to get the best benefit of this episode, you're probably best off listening to one, two, and three before yeah. launching this. Yeah. So th- today we're going to finish off our intake session, really. That's basically the, the gist of it. But we're going to probably, it's, there's a lot of details in this. So it's, might be, it might be a bit complex or a bit, seem like there's a lot going on. And really, I just kind of want to frame things and say that the whole process, Right, despite it sounding complicated at this point, and despite us kind of almost nitpicking and you know asking for so many details, what we're trying to get to is actually a very simple intervention on the other side of that. And I like this idea of simplexity. So, like the simpleness on the other side of complexity. You know, when we think about some sort of skill that somebody has that almost seems effortless. Right, if you're to reflect on that skill there and then in that moment, it might actually even feel very simple. So like the painter who can you know, paint a face effortlessly and you know add all the shading and everything else, like their access to their skill at that time is just like, well, I just do this simple thing, right? But that simple thing embodies a lot of complex stuff that's gone before. So this is the notion of um, simplexity, or at least as I use it. And what we're going to try and do is kind of push through this complicated entanglement of stuff to get to what is actually a very simple intervention on the other side of it 
Uh, so just kind of stick with us. I think that's probably a good warning with this one. And a good warning for me too, probably. Yeah. Go on. You want to say something? I was going to say Anton. So like you could probably use that as a, as a, like a jiu-jitsu player as well, the black belts, you know? Yeah, yeah, a, for sure. Absolutely. That's the same thing. You know, see a black belt rolling. It looks like they're doing very, very little. Right. But doing it really, really well. Right. And like, you often see, see, we should say as well, I don't know if we ever explained this. If you're not a jiu-jitsu practitioner, uh, just a quick note on the belt hierarchy in jiu-jitsu. So when you start jiu-jitsu, you start at white belt and it goes from there to blue to purple to brown and ultimately to black. And then, you know, as a black belt, you have various degrees just, and that's just based on time. Once you get to black belt, uh, you know, you just continue to practice the martial art and whatnot. And you, you go up the degrees onto coral belt and eventually to red belt. There's only, I think, you know, the, the Gracie family, the original Gracie family are the only 10th degree black belts or red belts ever. And they, they only, that's all they'll ever be which could get to ninth degree black belt, which is also red belt, uh, but it'll take you your whole life to get there. Yeah, so for us, like we said before, we're a blue belt, so we're only on the second rung of this massive journey. And they reckon it takes you on average about 10 years to get to black belt. Mm -hmm. It's one of the hardest martial arts to get your black belt in. And that's why it, it gets a lot of, uh, it holds a lot of weight in, in, in martial art terms. I tend to say blue belt tends to be one of the tougher ones because it's a kind of a certainly in terms of length and people end up at blue belt for a long, long time. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like people get to blue belt and they say there's a huge fall off rate, and that continues though. Like you go into any jiu-jitsu club and you you know there'd be loads of white belts, a few less blue belts, a couple of purple belts, right. you know, a brown belt or two, and a, a, maybe a black belt. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it's it obviously drops off the further you go on. But yeah, the blue belt one is a funny one. You know, they say people drop the blue belt blues, people get there and they feel like they can't progress. There's I also think there's a, a, there's some satisfaction. Well, at least I'm not a white belt. And then you can yeah. have a bit of cred on the back of that. It's interesting though. So I told, sidetracked a little bit here, but I think it's all relevant. I told the, so the club I go to uh, here, I told the guys during the week that I'm training for, to compete next year and uh immediately got smashed <laughs> i felt like uh like no like in the next roles like the the higher belts are doing me a favor you know as training partners so they're up in the intensity for my benefit oh no but it's like a realization like oh i'm even further back than i that i thought i was uh, but all good stuff like you know not like oh he's complete let's smash him like he's yeah, competing yeah. let's up the intensity so i was thinking about it as well because one of the guys the upper belts the brown belts for coach he was uh he was talking me through the roles as well as we were rolling you know give me quick pointers as he was smashing me and i think when you get to blue belt you know you talk about ego and jiu-jitsu and uh, not being there but almost when you get to blue belt you feel like you don't you shouldn't feel this way but i know you feel like you don't need to ask as many questions or you yeah. don't need as much guidance and right. i think what I noticed that I asked it when I was getting those little pointers is like man I used to get always get this when I was a white belt because Right. You were new and people were offering out that advice and you're just soaking it up. I don't know, is it an expectancy that you know more when you get to blue or does it, uh, you feel from yourself that you ask less questions? But uh, in that moment, I remember thinking, I need to just continue to ask questions. Like I can't be putting it on other people to be telling me stuff because, you know, that's not mm. their job. Right. I just need to continue to ask. Every role I roll with somebody, whether it's white belt or black belt, 
I need to be asking questions just to get better. Yeah, and I suppose people feel more authority to offer the advice to a white belt. Yeah. Uh, I still ask questions. I still ask if I'm wrong with a higher belt. So do I, but like not enough. Do you ask enough questions? I'd ask after most roles, I think. Like not during the role or even like I'd ask someone if they caught me with something twice or something, you know. Yeah. Cool. All right, go back to, to what you were saying. What are we doing? Finishing the intake session. Yeah, and we, we you had a little bit of homework, which is the KPIs. So maybe we'll start with that because I was thinking our outcome is, you know, there's a lot of different outcomes here. It's not like you just have, oh, I want to get this behavior sorted or I want to achieve this goal or whatever. It's like quite complex. And I think from the KPIs, we'd be able to distill something of an outcome that's more tractable and then from that we can jump into uh, some consideration of cornerstones which are basically times in the week that are stable that we can kind of hang stuff off and what I mean there is if you take the analogy of growth again the garden you know we're trying to grow or cultivate these novel behaviors and uh, it's often easier to do that if they have some sort of support right and if you think about a stone in the garden it's more it's more durable than the stuff that grows there and we can think about say certain routines in our week as you know stuff we tend to do over and over again we don't really have to put much effort in it's just part of our week so we're going to look at some of that and how best to use it and then we're going to look at something of vital behaviors which we'll kind of explain we'll go through and then we'll just look at um, some questions getting at the the details of how best to implement it and stuff in your life sounds good so KPIs, we try and remove acronyms. So KPI, so KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. So that's what we're talking about if we mention KPIs. Not often used in jujitsu terms, uh, usually used in the business, the business world, or <laughs> right, like corporate lingo. A lot of uh, you know industry and companies would use key performance indicators. Uh, so basically, what they are, they're like a, a quantifiable measure used to evaluate performance essentially right. uh, you can have them you know you know this but for anybody that that doesn't know i'll just give a, a a true example i suppose you know i work in construction uh, so we have kpis in what we do you know at a, there's high level low level if you want to use you know tiers for them so like at a high level you know our parent company or, or our corporate arm would be looking at you know, high level things like from a safety perspective, you know, was there any last time incidents, you know, in a period like in the year or in the quarter, et cetera, um, to give an indication on how a project might be performing uh, from a safety perspective. You know, they'd also look at things like year on year revenue figures. You know, you might have a target to grow the company by X amount and, you know, each quarter are we on the way to do that by looking at our KPIs, which could be, you know, set, uh, sales or revenue figures, that kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, I just, I just had the insight that uh, it's actually uh, it's getting at that same idea of simplexity, right? It's how do you reduce and probably does violence a lot of the time to you know a lot of stuff that's going on, but how do you reduce this complex system to a, a quantifiable metric that can be ext- extracted and tell us something about the general performance? 
Yeah. So yeah. I suppose GDP, uh, you know, gross domestic product would be a KPI of sorts at a national level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like just to, but in the same measure, like, you know, just to, to, to finish out what I was saying, you know, for the same kind of thing, you know, at a corporate level, they might be looking at those high level things, but at a lower level on a project, uh, you might have something as simple as like, you know, still all looking with the safety in mind or that you're reducing the amount of incidents in here. You might be having doing things like site inspections or you might do behavioral observations, you know, real kind of low level, you know, uh, ground roots kind of thing. Uh, but all, uh, all with the same goal in mind, that kind of right, stuff. Right. Um, so that's you know that was just a, an example of 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 what might be used in in industry or or in a company. But I tried to d- use that then for jujitsu over the since you gave me the homework. So I've tried to keep it as simple as possible, and I'm just going to spit out what I've done. A lot of this won't hang around. Some of it might, but it's a bit of a brain dump. Uh, so hopefully you and anybody listening can stick with me. So basically, what I'm trying to do is you know, what they say, what you can't measure, you can't manage kind of thing. You know, some people agree with that statement, some don't, because it's not really much soft uh, allowance for soft skills in that kind of a statement. But regardless, you know, to be able to measure something, there, there is benefit to it. So success in how I perform over the next, we're down to eight months now. <laughs> <laughs> Same uh, timeline for my <laughs> so, It'll be basically what I consider to be success Obviously, would be winning the competition, but I'm not going to talk about the competition itself for the moment. Success in its first iteration is arriving at the competition on weight in the best shape and place that it can be. So how do I measure and evaluate my performance over the eight months? You know, uh, the joy about jujitsu or any kind of fighting, it's, it is by its nature very indicative of performance. You know, you win or lose. That's and I think you hear like you hear like a lot of UFC fighters and all their appeal often to fighting is like they like the satisfaction of knowing where they stand. You know, it's a very uh, final mm. thing. You go into a cage or a, a ring, you fight. You generally win or lose. There's like kind of no, you know often you know you talk about judges scoring and boxing and whatnot, but it's it's usually very indicative of whether you're good enough or not. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Right, right, right. Uh, so I think that that is going to be a true thing for me in measuring performance. Like as I prepare for these, the world's masters uh, next year, I'll obviously got to do maybe at least two competitions as I prepare. So the, at a high level, the highest level KPI measuring my performance as I go is do I win the comps as I prepare? So, you know, the measure is do I win or not? Mm. So, you know, you know, so I think that's going to be a very good one. So I'm going to pick two or three comps and, and attend them. And then in the same thing at a high level, you know, addressing everything I need to address in this eight months is, am I on weight in the competitions I use to prepare? Yes or no. And then do I gas out? Like, do I run out of steam? Do my arms die? You know, my grips fail, all the stuff that I was concerned about. And I think that it's going to be a big thing in those competitions. And like we've talked about before, am I playing my game in those matches as I prepare, which we talked about in earlier episodes, which is me being on top in the fight, looking for the submissions that I want, etc. So I think they're the very highest level KPIs 
are going to be attending competitions and, and the success or otherwise of those competitions. Mm. I'll just keep talking here. So like interrupt if you want, but at a mid level, right. Uh, KPIs. I, t- I watched a YouTube video of a guy that won a similar competition. I can't remember what was the, the masters two worlds middleweight a few years ago, but I was looking, in the, he, he won it. I was looking in the comments class uh, the comments class, the comments section of YouTube. Great, great place to hang out, actually, if you're ever interested. <laughs> it's like, it is actually, I, I, you know, for podcasts and stuff, if you jump on YouTube and there's a podcast, you just look at the top three comments, you get a feel for where it went. Yeah, don't need to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I was watching his match and he actually, uh, the guy that lost the match commented in it. They were like, you know, he commented like, oh, uh, yeah, gosh, the guy was pure strong. And then I was so gassed that even if I was winning, I just wouldn't have been able to do it. Something to that effect. Like he basically, the reason he didn't get, mm. win the match, he, he was done for the day. And I, I'm conscious of that. So I'm, I'm starting to think, I wonder like if my skill is at a pretty good level, will it become more about my state, my physical state? That's yet to be determined. So at a mid-level I'm going to just pick a couple of key key performance indicators or KPIs. And, you know, one is weight again. So at the moment, I'm 77.3 kilos. If I want to compete at lightweight, I need to be at 74. I'm still not determined on whether I'm going to do that or middleweight. But if I can hang in around uh, this weight until closer to the date, then I can make that decision because I think you could lose three kilos you know, mm. within three months if you wanted to. So my, my key KPI from a weight perspective is stay below uh, 78 kilograms at all times kind of thing. Mm. Grips is another one. I've got a hanging bar at the KPI. This one I could have done a bit, little bit differently. You can look at it two ways. You can say, right, at the moment, my baseline is I can hang from the bar for one and a half minutes, which is kind of pathetic, but it is what it is. If I set a target of five minutes, assuming that's like indicative of me having great grips and that's how long a roll lasts, that's one way to do it. And that would mean if I want to be able to hang for five minutes, you know, just before the competition, I probably have to add about 30 seconds per month. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to do it. But like to get to that point, my KPI that I'm kind of setting is hang four times a week. And, you know, obviously I'll keep the, uh, the additional time in my head. Other thing, I feel like I'm talking a lot here, but I just no, want to get keep it going, keep going. Core strength. One simple KPI is for core strength is a long arm plank. You know, how long can I do it? So I, I done my baseline during the week. So I just done full long, fully extended long arm plank, you know, shoulders out, proper kind of posture. Two minutes, 45 seconds. Again, pretty pathetic, but that one again. So I've done something similar. You know, I've kind of argued that. I've used seven minutes as a goal, not to say that you could win the World Masters blue belts at a, by doing a seven-minute plank, but <laughs> I've often, I've heard people before, I've had a friend who could do a seven-minute plank, and my uncle, shout-outs to the old uncle, you know who you are, if you're listening. Uh, I was chatting to the during the week, and he was telling me at his age, he could do a seven-minute seven plank. I'm like, whoa, I need to, I need to get up there. <laughs> so... Uh, Going to try and get to that level just for kicks. But regardless, just going to plank two times a week. That's going to be my real KPI. It's just getting the consistency. It's more about the, more, less than the time, more about the consistency, I think, for me. So hanging four times, 
doing long arm plank twice a week, staying below my weight. And then last one is cardio, which is rolling is a great uh, indicator. At the moment, you know, the measures, do I gas at some stage in doing eight by five minute hard rounds, which is probably what I'm going to have to do on the day of the competition. My baseline at the moment is I kind of do five by five minute medium rolls and I'm probably kind of done. So I think an ultimate goal before the competition, maybe a month out will be shark tanking eight by five minutes without gassing. And that'll be very indicative of, of me having achieved or not. So for anybody who doesn't know what a shark tank is, a shark tank in jiu-jitsu is basically often used when you're preparing for competition. They'll put you in the middle of the the room and people just turns on trying to submit you as as hard as they can go and you're just trying to stay alive and hopefully beat them, you know. Uh, but it's often more of a cardio-related thing and trying to stay safe and stay alive than, than actually going out and submitting all the people that come at you. And doing that for, you know, a long, intense period. So if I could do that for the, the competition period, I think that'd be pretty pretty cool. Uh, so one of us, kind of the soft KPIs I'm kind of using to do that is attend all my available jujitsu classes, so three classes a week, and then do cardio on the other three days, except for my off day, which is probably just going to be running. And obviously, I can increase the kilometers and the intensity as I go. So my KPIs are kind of more consistency related versus uh, having a target and achieving X amount per month to get to that target. So that's kind of where I'm at. I could look at low-level KPIs, but I've kind of thought about this. You know, you could, you could say, when I roll with blue belts, am I safe? Am I in my game? Do I tap them? Do they tap me? Do I finish strong? And, and ditto with purple belts. But I think about it and I just like, uh, it's going to be too hard. And I don't want to change my train. Like that, that will just happen, I think. That's going to give me some indication of where I'm getting. If I am tapping blue belts more than I used to, that's obviously a good indicator. If I'm hanging with purple belts longer than I used to. But I don't want to have that as a KPI because it's changing my intention going into my training. And it's just going to change the dynamic. I want it still to be fun. I don't want to be you know out there looking for this this indicator and it'll just change the, the nature of it so like chatting to one of the guys one of the purple belts during the week you know he didn't like competing before because of the the fact that it changed his training it went from being his fun outlet three times a week to be this you know uh, <laughs> I have to jump in here now I have to jump in here oh yeah you're gonna change my whole logic here yeah <laughs> well one thing I want to say is it is changed, right? You're, all of a sudden, you're training to win the world championships. Well, Not I, that I shouldn't I, mention. I, I, I feel bad calling it the world championships too because it sounds like it's worlds. It's, well, it is. Well, remind people, it's the Blue Belt Masters Two Worlds Championships. So, yeah, like, it's still it's said, world championships in your class. It. It's the best. It's the best people in the world in your class. Well, again, potentially, right? That 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 have entered the competition. Right, right. <laughs> right. Okay. With that in mind, yeah. With that in mind, so not to say that you shouldn't still have fun, but I actually think it will be key to winning this thing that you go in there and change up what you're doing a little bit. So I think, I'm not, I'm not enforcing this on you, but you can have a think about it. I think there's a, a KPI, say, within the context of your training that is actually more indicative of the success of your training at an ongoing kind of pace or whatever. Right, so your your how you do in the outcome that is the competition itself is a KPI, right, with respect to the larger context of your 
practice of jiu-jitsu and if you ever enter future competitions how you do in the competitions leading up to that is also you know contextualized within that broader time frame as well and you need something i think that's more kind of micro scale but that is of that quality right so that it captures as much details as you want but it does so on a more kind of ongoing basis and my sense is that like within the stuff you've said uh, something like am i on game or am i not on game am i in my game or am i not in my game at at each practice could be could be enough right it's like the right level of intervention to get the kind of leverage we need so if you say if you're just asking things like you know did i did i uh you know how many taps did i get on blue belts right that's too complicated but if you have a sense of uh, where you are in the spectrum of possibility of being within your game and then you just have a, a simple metric for that that might give you a better sense of how to how you're progressing each day and what kind of adjustments you might need to make mm. i don't know what do you think about that yeah it makes sense yeah all right well that's still okay it's 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 better framing than do i tap blue belts or not tap blue belts do you know what i mean yeah, I, yeah. Like that's that's what I'm trying to get away from. Like going in there with trying to have a, a like a a click or counter kind of job. Right. I think so. I think there's a way of doing this, right? That we could actually do it quite cleverly, and then have a very accessible set of metrics that are you know quantitative, but you're arriving at them kind of qualitatively. Insofar as we could ask, we could have like a scale of am I in my game? Am I not in my game? One being, um, you know, I'm nowhere near my game. I wasn't even thinking about it. And I got smashed in the other person's game. You know, that'd be, Mm. I suppose, the the wrong end of the spectrum. The other could be, you know, I took them down with the, with the takedown I wanted, you know, got, got to the stability that I was expecting, finished them in the way that I wanted, you know, and that's, yeah, that's the other end of the spectrum. And then we, if we had like five points on that spectrum and then all you're asking yourself is where am I on that spectrum, say, each evening um, across the night, you know, or something like that, that might be a simple metric that we can take out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think we need to think about that one so a little bit more, but that's that's interesting. A couple of things I just want to, just to round out on the, on the KPIs as well. Uh, I have a few like good practices and they're kind of KPIs in themselves to never refuse a role. So if anybody ever offers a role, never say no, because, you know, I'm trying to make the best of my time there. Achieved or not is obviously a good, easy measure. No break rounds. So between rounds, you know, never sit out a round. Always seek a partner to roll with so that I'm, again, getting the best of all these sessions. Right. I've started doing this one during the week to stand up after each role rather than lying down for the minute. So uh, rolling, again, we've touched on this before, but for uh, in most schools, you might have maybe a 30 minutes of rolling at the end of class and they'll kind of run for maybe five rounds and in between, or five minute rounds in between the five minutes, you might have a minute off. Usually people just hang around and lie on the ground for that minute. But I've started trying to stand up because it kind of gives you that, you know, getting that, getting stand up and getting your posture good again, like I'm ready to go again. It almost feels like you're, more willing and able than just hanging around like you know slowly getting into the next one so stand up after each role achieved or not right last couple then is watch jiu-jitsu during lunch achieved or not because 
I have a lot of videos that I need to watch and, and related to my game. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Then I was interested in your thoughts on like mental KPIs, you know, how, how do I do it? <laughs> so like stamina, right. And, and bringing it home. We talked about this, like, you know, bringing it home. Those last few minutes are going to be key and potentially key uh, in winning a match or a competition. So how do I measure my stamina and how, how can I see if my, my mental fortitude is getting better, you know, mm. month to month? Is that, do I need to measure it? I think that's, that's, that's kind of comes out in the wash, right? So you'll, the idea that there's some mental, you know, aspect of yourself that's totally divorced from the physical and the practice uh, is a, is a bit of a fallacy, right? There, there is obviously say high level abstraction and whether or not you're engaging things along those lines might be something worth thinking about, you know, how are you relating to instruction and those kinds of things. But my sense is with regard to, with regard to keeping it easy and doing what we need to do here is that never refusing a roll, no break between rounds, you know, standing up after each roll. If you're doing those things, it's indicative of the fact if you're say moving from a point where you weren't doing those things to all of a sudden now you're reliably doing them. I think mm. that's indicative of the fact that you have made some sort of progress in, you know, quote unquote mental uh, yeah, okay. terms. My, my own, my own little kind of trick there is if I find myself leaning on something in training, you know, when instruction has been given, if I, I just stopped letting myself oh, yeah, do yeah. that and uh, so I stand up me, away from the wall and whatever. Right. It keeps me kind of alert and, uh, you know, when I fall back into it or when I venture towards that boundary or I see myself uh, and then I kind of catch myself, you know, and you build a habit that's at the same time, you know, part of your body and its sensitivities to its environment, but also, you know, it, it kind of informs what your thinking is too. So m my sense is, you know, don't think about that too much. I think like we can definitely come back to, you know, very kind of detailed stuff around uh, how you're receptive to tuition, for instance, if needs be. But I don't yeah. think those things are real issues. I was thinking as well for the bring it home one. I was thinking, you know, because that's kind of like up in the ante for the last 30 seconds. I was thinking about just like taking my time with my dinner and then just smashing the last bit of my dinner every day. <laughs> <laughs> or like my cup of coffee, just like sip three quarters of it and just wolf down the last quarter. <laughs> Last 20 minutes before bed, just fucking sprinting around again. <laughs> uh, no, I joke. Right. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get into the intake session. Right. Um, I suppose we have been getting into it here you know, indirectly, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. No, this is directly too. All this stuff's relevant. But uh, to, to kind of, like, if we think about an outcome then, do you want to go with that idea of the am I in my game, am I not in my game, as a good kind of starting outcome for what we're want, wanting to do here. Yeah, I think so. I think that's good. Let's run with that, and then we'll see. Uh, you know, I, this is malleable. Things may change. Right, things will change, right? This is That's the nature of design. So, so let's run whole, with this. It makes sense to me. Right. So, yeah, we might come back to that idea of uh, the 1 to 10, you know, like, am I in my game, am I not in my game? Yeah, that yeah. might be a nice thing to have, but we probably don't need it for right now. No, I don't think so. You talked about cornerstones and stuff earlier. Are you going to talk about We're that? We're going to get into that right now. Okay. So 
yeah, like you said, the cornerstones is say anything that's an existing say stability habit practice time you know something that just happens in your week and like i said we're looking for stuff that we can basically chain other behaviors off or introduce uh, little elements into your environment at that time to direct things in a particular way because if you think about you know what we've said before about you responding to pressures in your environment and always adapting these are like opportunities within which to intervene and perturb the system of behaviors that is you. I buy fancy words, huh? Perturb. I, well, I, like, I like perturb as well. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few questions and forgive me if they're like super detailed, but you know, like I if you perturb before. me, I will let you know. <laughs> well, perturbs this term we use in systems theory a lot, you know, so system is perturbed. Um, when it pushes something out of a stability, yeah, it tends to return to some. I like I like simpl- I like the word simplexity as well. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> they're not my words, but uh, <laughs> they're complex adaptive systems words, really. So establishing cornerstones. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you loads of questions, get some details, and people at home will get a sense too. Like if they're thinking about what are my cornerstones, you know, with respect to so, my practice. So they can ask themselves the same questions here. Yeah, you'll get a sense at least uh, Okay. okay. the kind of thing that we're asking. Okay, so tell me a bit about your daily routine, say Monday to Friday, and maybe if there's differences in the Monday or say the Monday morning is a bit different than the Tuesday morning, include that kind of stuff as well. Um, Right. I think Monday is the same as Wednesday, Tuesday is the same as Thursday, so I'll just give you Monday and Tuesday. Right. So Monday morning, generally set the alarm for six, snooze twice, get up, Jump into the shower, down into the car. You shower before you wash the teeth, or you do? Uh, no, I'd actually. So sorry. Oh, you caught me there. Uh, <laughs> now this is going to sound very pedantic. Sorry, but like you know, it's a uh, right. Okay, so uh, right, sit down for six. Up by six eighteen. Go in, turn on the shower. And the details I'm looking for. Uh, turn on the shower and wash the teeth while the, the shower is just making noise. Then quickly jump into the shower and then. You know, get dressed after that, drive to work, and I'd be at work at about seven. Right. And then just start working, work through till 12, have lunch at basically 12 every day, and usually at my desk. And like I say, I've started to watch YouTube videos in that time now, whenever I can. And then work again through till 5.15, drive home, be at home for 5.30, have have have, have dinner with the, the fam, and then... Once so that'd be so about seven o'clock. Then I'll go for a jog with the dog. Mm-hmm. I suppose the shower, and after that, maybe watch a shower. TV. You have a shower in the evening and in the morning. Well, I have a cold shower in the morning just to wake me up. Every morning. Every morning, yeah. Bad man. It's the only job, man. Jeez, I couldn't manage that now in the morning. Cold morning. Ah, oh, man. Do that. Do that first thing in the morning. It doesn't matter what it, what happens for the rest of the day. <laughs> doesn't matter, Sean. Doesn't matter one bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not the evening then because I've sweaty. I've got sweat. I you know, I, would you not shower if you got sweaty in the evenings? <laughs> <laughs> you're exposing. I, I know you're, you're exposing your hygiene practice here. No, uh, I, I'd shower in the evening, but I wouldn't shower again in the morning. I suppose I don't be encountering people though. So I don't be encountering people. <laughs> What's that mean? Your loud smell in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I mean, like, you know, I get up in the morning and do my thing, but if I had a shower the night before, I wouldn't have another shower. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm not doing it for, I'm not doing it for smell purposes. Like I say, it's just for the, 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 the cold kicks. Yeah, does the water not be like mental cold in, in Canada? Like, no, because they, they use like wire traces on the, on the pipes or whatever, so they don't freeze. But it'd be, it'd be chilly enough, like. But that's the point of it. That's the point of it. Is, but... Anyways, yeah, so yeah, se- second shower today. And, uh, and is there after any other, I just watch other, what, other, other practice built around the shower, like reliable enough stuff for no, no, but once you start talking about cornerstones, I could probably build something around that, you know. Well, don't, actually, don't I, tell I, me I, what you probably <laughs> could, just tell me what's existing right, there. At the right, moment. I, I digress, I digress. It could be a shower or it could be a bath. Now, don't, don't shame on me for having a bath, but why yeah, is it, Monday, why is it shameful when, to have a bath. I don't know, is it? Oh, man. Get in the bath, brother. to have a shower a minute ago. No, bats are, <laughs> uh, bats are good. Oh, bats are amazing. All right, so it'll either be a shower or a bath Monday, or we- Monday and Wednesday. And then, uh, yeah, I was thinking, like you started talking about cornerstones, maybe could ha- while I'm filling the bath, I could maybe start hanging something off that, but you can talk about that. But yeah, either way, and then watch maybe a family, or watch family, watch Netflix or whatever, just hang around with family, listen to music, just chat, that kind of stuff. So that's Monday. Tuesday is almost the same, except on the way to work, I, I, I drive by and get a, like a coffee. Like I say, hopefully it's paid forward for me. <laughs> <laughs> I get a coffee on the way to work. And then the only difference in the evening time is I come home and I've got jujitsu at seven. So rather than going for a jog at seven, I'm doing jujitsu at seven. And it's a longer effort because the jog would only be like, say, a half an hour. But the jujitsu is an hour and a half. So it's 8.30. I come home from jujitsu and then I'll, you know, same thing, shower. Actually, yeah, no, no bats on a Tuesday. Not enough time, so it's always it's always the shower on the Tuesday. Same again, just hang around with family and and stuff before bed. Go to bed every night. Probably go to bed too late. Go to bed like at half ten, ten forty five. Try to get earlier. It's always creeping up at eleven o'clock before we get into bed. So, yeah. do you, what do you do in the bath? Do you read? Read generally. Read. I sometimes listen to podcasts. But I'm, I'm usually sick of listening to podcasts by that time of the day. Like, it's, uh, uh, these are a few things you're reminding me of things. So when I drive to work as well, mm. actually, when I drive home from work, I'll be listening to podcasts. And sometimes I listen to podcasts at work, depending on the day. I don't have a set thing about that. Just if, if I'm doing something that I want to zone out for, I listen to music. Podcasts are kind of just listening to in the car to and from work. Uh, but yeah, in the bath, I'd probably just like read or, or listen to music. Right. And um, say Monday morning, Friday evening, do you have like shut down routines or like wrap up for the weekend? Do you do a like weekly plan on a Monday morning? No, so usually in Friday, like it's, I have an ongoing to-do list. So it's live the whole time. But yeah, like before I'd wrap up on a Friday, I'd kind of know what I'm going to hit Monday, Tuesday. I'd have that wrote down. My desk is like to-do lists all over the shop. So when do you do your to-do lists? It's, it's live, man. I can't do anything unless it's on a to-do list. I actually had to do podcasts on a to-do list today. So the satisfaction of scribbling that out is... If I, if I do something that wasn't on a to-do list, I'll put it on a to-do list and scribble it out. How's that for efficiency? The, uh, oh. <laughs> I know. I don't do that. I, I, there was a time when I used to do that, but I, I generally have everything on a to-do list. So there's not, there's not much that happens that wasn't on a to-do list. Right, but, uh, but yeah, Friday evening, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And... But do you have a regular time each morning where you like say, say, sit down and plan your day and do the to-do list? 
No, it's probably live the whole time. But by by the time I leave in the afternoon, it's it's set out for the next day. So I come in with like a, a fresh to do list, and then I try and hit the hit the most important thing first if I can. But you know yourself the way days go. You start yeah, out with a plan. I, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. But will you have in mind, say, the following morning, and will you review your to do list before you start working? Yeah. Yeah, I come in and I have a to-do list already wrote up from the previous afternoon. And uh, you will look review at that it. And I'll get stuck into the day. Right. Like, think about that and think about how valuable it is as a kind of cornerstone. That kind of thing where you have this, say... So that's agent. a cornerstone, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what else did I describe there was a cornerstone? Like, well, so like coffee uh, every, every Tuesday and a Thursday. If that's like, if it's in routine, is it a cornerstone behavior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. But I mean, there's a question of which cornerstones you're going to use. I mean, sometimes you just want to relax and not be thinking about whatever it is you feel you, you know, should be. Or no, I don't want to say that. So, you know, you don't want to turn everything into a cornerstone. <laughs> How many corners can you have? Exactly. Uh, even though they are in some sort of theoretical world cornerstones. So what about Saturday and Sunday? Uh, Saturday and Sunday will be generally family stuff. Well, Saturday, we used to do this podcast only the last few weeks, but now this is Sunday mornings. So Saturday morning, wake up, have, well, coffee. It was the AeroPress last week, won't be next week. <laughs> have coffee, hang around with the wife and the dog, and then we'll, you know, do family stuff, you know, go for, go go for an old trail walk, do the shopping, just do the jobbings. A baby coming in uh, February, so... Lots of kind of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Do uh, jujitsu as well, actually, on a Saturday of all things that I almost forgot about. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> what time is jujitsu on a Saturday? Jujitsu is eleven uh, thirty. So yeah, yeah, hang around in the morning. Jujitsu at eleven thirty. Do that till one. Come home, have breakfast, and then do family stuff, trail walk or whatever. Right. I'm going to ask you now to, and. You know, if this is getting boring or anything, this or my last kind of detailed inquiry on the on this topic, and I want you to kind of go through your jujitsu session in quite a bit of detail, right? So from showing up, from before it, on the way there, you know, like you're in jujitsu headspace now. When does right. that happen? And until you get home and leave that headspace again. So slightly different, I suppose, because Tuesday and Thursday are in the gi, so in the kimono, in the, the robes. <laughs> Saturday is no gi, so in rash guard. So there's a run by two different coaches, so slightly different classes. But So, all right, I'll give you the Tuesday example. So Tuesday example, it starts at 7. I'm usually running late, so I've my gi on. I run out to the car, drive there. It's only a couple of minutes away. It's like maybe three-minute drive, two-minute drive park up, sign in, throw down the bag, walk onto the mats, bow in, say hello to people and just start straight into the warm-up. Right. And then that class, like it's led by the coach, obviously. So we'll warm up for maybe 10, 15 minutes. Then we might do some of the stuff we've been working on. Like last week, in the last few weeks, it's been back takes. So we might do a few drills for half an hour. Then we do a new drill or new technique and then we will for the last half an hour class that'll take up of the first hour and the last half an hour is rolling and then we just roll with whoever and then bow out 
that's it on a on a Tuesday on a Saturday there's no gee so it's less f- formal well we're not even formal on a Tuesday you know what I mean but we we something similar warm up again 10 minutes but more of a wrestling style warm up than a jujitsu one uh, same thing again go over some of the stuff we've done to date maybe rehash some of the techniques then do a new technique and then again same thing at the end half an hour rolling with whoever and wrap it up drive home right and just out of interest do you have the opportunity to say have a journal there with you or phone that you could actually use during that time I, I, I do I suppose but I don't want to right that's the cornerstones or at least I'll be able to kind of extract some things from that and we should be able to make the kinds of uh, so you can you can look at that and just pick a few of those routine based things as cornerstones is that what you're going to do yeah and so I suppose like we should say again so on the back of this whole episode you're going to go away and design something yeah so again we're, we're doing eco behavioral design we refer to it as EBD so remind people again what, what, what it is, because I know people, if you were with us, you kind of got a grasp on it, but, but I'm sure it's no harm to remind people what, what this is all about. You know, people, It's very easy to say, I'm doing the jiu-jitsu competition, but you're, you're getting this concept called eco-behavioral design rolled out and, and using jiu-jitsu or my competition as a platform to do it. But maybe just remind people what it is in, in, a, in a very simple terms. Yeah, well, what it is, is, you know, this kind of thing that we're doing here, where you're looking at your environment, you're looking at your relationship to your environment, and you're looking at the, the existing habits, capacities, abilities that you have, and you're thinking about the, say, interdependencies between those two things, and you're asking, how can I intervene on me as a system in a way that reliably brings about the outcome that I desire, whatever that might be. And the challenge is, and it's a challenge with a lot of behavior change, we tend to have poor models of what it is or what, what we are, you know, what kinds of things we are. And thus when we go to change, we intervene in our own change in ways that are tend to be ineffective or ineffective. And kind of the principle here is you cannot intervene with uh, certainty on the outcomes of your behavior. But what you can do is constrain and shape the system that is you that more reliably or more probably brings about certain kinds of behaviors. So this whole process is thinking about basically that dance between you and your environment and saying, you know, how can we play the right tune so it dances the right way at the right time? And cool. what, so I'm, you, what, what I'm trying to do. This is all part of it. And you're going to just, you know, go away now and, and design Design right. something for for me to help me right. keep up or introduce behaviors that are going to result in me coming. Uh, the outcome will be inevitable in that I'll end up in the best shape possible. All going to plan, obviously, that I'll present at the competition in the best the best shape possible. Right, given the limitations that exist. Right, so we're going to be thinking about how can you do this while maintaining a you know, family life and having a new baby and a job yeah. and all the rest. Which um, is the fun part because this is real life. Right. Yeah. The uh, So what does a design look like? Or will we talk about that next week when you come back with the design? I think it'll be, it'll be obviously more obvious then, but it's basically, yeah, okay. you know, from all the things that you've given me, it's a kind of extraction or synthesis or distillation of those things 
using the kinds of motivations that you gave me, looking at the outcomes that you desire, thinking about you know the existing routines, thinking about how to intervene and to put the right kinds of pressures in the right kind of and places. The right kind of constraints is what you said in, in, instead of pressures, was it? Or you using them the same way? Yeah, I kind of use them interchangeably. We'll get to constraints in a second. But All right, cool. All right, yeah, yeah. So keep going. So we're we're thinking now about vital behaviors, right? And What's the vital, vital behavior is basically this thing, which if consistently applied, leads to the kinds of outcomes that you desire. Right, so if we say that being in your game for the time being is the kind of outcome that you desire, right, our vital behaviors will look something like what are the kinds of things that I need to do in order to start progressing along, you know, when we said zero to 10. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stay better in my game. Right. And then they're the kinds of things that we're trying to put pressure on the system to do, right? And it's the, and the idea is if you do them, it will just lead to this outcome over time. And the outcome over time is the habituation of you being in your game. That's our first outcome, right? Because that... Okay functions then as a not to make the language too complicated but i'm going to use it because that's a kind of keystone that hangs helps other things hang together right yeah well we talked about keystones in the last episode right so this is an example of uh, thinking about what a keystone might be within this context cool so what are the say necessary and sufficient behaviors that the vital behaviors right that will lead to this to this outcome now, you don't have to go into technique or anything. I'm just thinking, what would it look like, right, that you were showing up to the gym every week? And it doesn't have to be complicated or anything. I think I need you to guide me. What's What do you think? Just to get me started. Yeah. So I think one thing is you need to be clear on your game, right? That's a good starting point. Yeah. If yeah. you don't have that, you can't be clear on your game. You can't enact yeah. your game if you don't have a clear game. So... You know, one of the things we're going to probably do at, when, when it comes to actually intervening is you tend to have, right, these kind of essential interventions that only need to happen once or maybe, you know, start at the start of the design process. You know, you need to onboard this kind of knowledge or you need to upskill in this particular thing because if you don't, you don't you're not going to have the skill to be able to do the kind of... So what, what, what's going to probably be the case is you're going to have to map out that game in some detail right at the very start. So then you can have a sense of when you're showing up to training, are you actually mm. enacting your game? Yeah, and if okay. you don't have that, you can't do that. Right. So it's going to be that. And then there's probably going to be, so it might be something like reminding yourself of your game prior to rolling and what aspect you're working on. Yeah. Right. If we're thinking about the outcome as this kind of transition from maybe you're probably at three or four now to get to 10 within the next couple of months or the next couple of weeks even. Yeah, reminding yourself of your game when you show up, that might be one. And then am I, I suppose, enacting that, right? So I'm not just reminding myself, but am I following up on the reminder? And maybe am I taking note of that? And say, maybe there's something like, am I taking note of that? And feeding that back into the design or something does is that inspiring anything in yeah kind of thing yeah so i think what i need to work on is just know my game better like i was touched on in the last episodes is i think it's going to be on top staying on top and looking out for arm triangles 
to yeah. submit, picking up points on, on the way I go. But I'm still not sure on how to get to the ground, whether I do a takedown or if I pull guard. So I've, as I said, I just told my coach during the week that I'm going to compete next year. So the next conversation I'm going to have with him is on that part of the puzzle, whether oh, I, right. whether I just double down on pulling guard and just start the match and just drag someone into my game, but then I need to sweep them so that I end up on top uh, to then play my top game, or else do I get pick one takedown or two takedowns? and get really good at them so that I can take somebody down and end up on top. So that's, that's the part of the puzzle I'm unsure about at the moment. So I think leave that one with me. And once we understand that a bit better, that will then become a vital behavior. So that particular takedown, you know, will be like, all right, if I get this, that, doing that in every match will result in the outcome I want, which is me ended up on top, me been able to progress through the hierarchy of positions, picking up points, and eventually, hopefully, getting an old head and arm triangle. Got a few during the week, actually. Yeah. Uh, so the, the the scene once you start with the old arm triangles, man, they're they're all over the place. <laughs> Ryan Hall got the DVD as well. There's a there's a cornerstone behavior. Watching the laptop in the bath. Oh, yeah. Shout outs to the health and safety. That's not a great idea, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, watching Ryan Hall's DVD and uh, I have it up on the counter there watch a half an hour of that in the bath oh man it's unreal so just going to keep doing that but yeah picked up an old anaconda choke anyone wants to see what an anaconda choke is jump on YouTube so let, 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 let me get back to, to this for a sec so what do you think in this context would make more probable you enacting your game each time you show up, say say you have the game, right? Do you think a reminder, like you reminding yourself of your game just before you roll each time? Do you think, uh, yeah? What would what would prompt it for you? Like, what do you feel would be a good kind of being set on it and knowing that as I drive to to jujitsu, when I do roll, this is my plan, right? And then that will then also become come up before the start of each role i'll remind myself of the same thing again this is what i want to start with this takedown or this guard pull into this sweep okay i just i'm not clearing it yet so that's what i mean i need to talk to the coach about what i double down on there right so if you think about it and we're talking about like making outcomes more probable you have the sense that if you can just do that much right that you will be in the position where this thing is kind of progressing in the way that it needs to progress yeah, I think so. It's just getting it, starting it off. Right. I think the rest of the stuff, not saying I'm any good at it, but I'm more comfortable with the stage of the match. And this is the thing about jiu-jitsu. This is just my view. The guy standing opposite the mat uh, is is got the exact same view, except he's got his game. So this is what makes it interesting. And this is the, the fun of fighting where it's like the chess match. You go in with your plan but there's somebody opposite you with a very different plan uh, that's that's always going to pull and push you out of your game and into theirs. Right, so, right, right. And that's uh, why it's a, it's as much a psychological thing, right? Because you're you're in, you're trying to enforce your game and keep people in it. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the fun. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I find yeah. out the the value of the pressure passing game is because of its kind of brutish nature. It just has that as a kind of built-in feature. It's like if you're playing pressure pass and people are forced somehow to play yeah. the game. 
yeah. a bit more a bit more than they would if you were doing some sort of tr- more tricky uh, yeah because you're you're immobilizing their hips and once you do that you kind of it's all in the hips man it's you, all in the hips yeah. if in doubt in jujitsu if in doubt move your hips right so the last piece of this we're going to do is uh looking at some of the what do you think about in terms of constraints and these are basically just things in either your being right so abilities that you already have or things in your environment and so on that can be manipulated somehow or adjusted a little bit here and there in order to put the kinds of pressures and what i'm going to do is just i'm not going to go into the details of why i'm asking you the things i'm asking you necessarily but i'm just going to ask you a spate of questions and you just give me answers. Spate of questions. Go on, sir. Right. So do you find anything painful, boring, or uncomfortable about, say, this idea, the vital behavior we're talking about? This vital behavior at this point being having the thing in, having the game in mind and having those reminders in place such that when you're about to fight, you kind of know what you're doing. No, nothing boring about that. Well, it might be. <laughs> well, I don't find anything boring about it, but yeah, go on. So... Do you have any sense of uh, that this really apply? I was going to say, are you addicted to the wrong behaviors, right? But what is the wrong behavior there? Yeah, think about that, actually. Are you like, do you maybe get a bit? Well, the wrong behavior in that is getting distracted. You go in with a plan. It's like, right. So what do my thoughts say? Do you, do you sense that there's, say, <laughs> do you sense that there's some existing habit that you have there where you just maybe throw throw the plan out the window or you know you fall into something that already functions as a kind of yeah go on everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face so it's like when you see you don't get punched in the face but you go in with a plan but somebody else has their plan so it's not like you can go in i do my game and then i say but but, but, but what i'm asking is do you actually presently go in with a plan half the time probably i have a submission probably usually this is i want to get to a point where i can use the submission i'm not sure how i get there but I'll go in, like, oh, I want to work on, like I said, maybe a, a, a cool choke or something. So I'll, if, if, it, if it pops its head up, I'll try it on. But I, I, I usually don't have a, a developed plan to get to that point. Right. Is there anything else, say, with respect to this that you could develop your knowledge on, um, say, prior to actually just going and, and acting it in the gym? Watch videos on like if I if I decide it's a guard pull or if I decide it's a takedown, watch some videos. So I'll chat with the coach and see what he reckons there. So that would be some pre-planning. What about watching too many videos? Is that an issue? Like where you're just watching, say, Ryan Hall videos where he's doing a million different things and some of them aren't relevant. No, no, because they're I've I've honed them in. It was when I was a white belt. I'd watch any video if if, if it said jujitsu. I'll watch any video. <laughs> just send me the video, man. I'll watch it. <laughs> but, uh, nowadays, it's more tailored. I've, I've kind of have a few go-to guys that you'd look up on YouTube versus everyone, and obviously Ryan Hall's DVD now. So it's it's more of a focused effort than just watching videos. Right. This is, a, this is an interesting one because you said something a while ago that I'm going to pick up on because it says, are there social cost penalties for engaging in the vital behaviors? Are there social costs or rewards for engaging in the wrong behaviors? Like, so if you were to somehow remind yourself and you needed maybe something to lean on to do that, like, because you said you don't want a journal in the gym, you don't want your phone in the gym. Is there like, do you see what I'm getting at? 
is your reason for not having those things because you don't want to be the fellow with the journal showing up at the gym? That's part of it, yeah. <laughs> but I also, also just don't think I, I would use it in practice. I just, you know, yeah. it's not simple enough that I could just start doing it, getting off the mat journaling. Like, it's not going to happen. I want to be on the mats. Right. Do others around you discourage either implicitly or explicitly the vital behavior? Do others around you enable the wrong behaviors? It's more to the point, I suppose, that we've talked about. The, they've got it's they've got their game that they want to play so I suppose the disabling mine should they be successful mm. so that's that's the the issue with fighting but like in terms of like you know support and whatnot the the, the gym is is great so there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of support there shout outs to triumph MMA uh, the um, I'm wondering like is there somebody at the gym or a couple of people that you kind of have kind of made the kinds of relationships that, you know, they could be very productive in this, you know, over the course of this thing where say each, you both know each other's game and you're helping each other through it or. No, I think, yeah, everyone, everyone there is pretty supportive. If I wanted that, if I wanted to, you know, obviously the coaches are all there and you can kind of do that kind of stuff or, you know, now that I've mentioned it, maybe somebody else wants to compete next year and maybe, but nobody said that yet. But everyone's pretty supportive. Everyone's happy to to drill things out. We're not. There's no. There's no click or anything like that. Everybody's on the same page there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Says Eric when he arrives next time to the party and he wasn't invited. <laughs> Chuck. What's that mean? I say there's no click, and I'm just imagining this like amazing click. <laughs> you just don't know what's going on. Sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. They're having a Christmas party now that I never got the invite yeah, exactly. to. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. There's no click obvious to me anyways. Right. So what environmental factors are enabling the wrong behaviors? So is there like, you know, is the fact that you have to, say, get to the gym really quickly and you're late, is that interrupting your capacity to reflect prior to or probably just in help yeah if i could if i could be a bit more early <laughs> i would have like five minutes just to think about it i'm sure how how valuable do you think that might be like really well i i do a bit on the way to it so maybe just i don't know probably be i probably do have enough time to think about it in the car on the way there you know another five minutes i'll just be thinking about something else if i'm honest about it right so that's that's basically it right that's what i want from you from the intake so i'll just very quickly recap the kinds of things we went through. I'm not going to give the details. So we, at the start, you told me a little bit about your motivations, right? We talked about all sorts of things from, you know, it's a good time in your life from the baby due and you having this kind of sense of both responsibility and I suppose inspiration. Yeah. Looking at, you know, your previous efforts in these regards, uh, looking at, yeah, wanting to get outside your comfort zone, all that kind of stuff. Then we looked at potential outcomes and thought about those outcomes and then distilled them into basically simpler outcomes of a sort. Then we took that, you went away and looked at your KPIs, brought back the KPIs, and from that KPI, we were able to even refine the outcomes a bit further. And then we looked at, say, your cornerstones and your vital behaviors that will lead to the outcomes. 
And my reason for looking at the cornerstones was because it offers opportunities in your week and in your days to kind of intervene and put the necessary pressures that lead to the behaviors that ultimately leads to the outcome over the shorter term that ultimately leads to the outcome over the longer term. Um, So we'll do this process, right? So, and we'll see how effective it is at making the kinds of change you want. And then we can do a scale back version of this, right? Once you have a sense of the process yourself, you kind of start to intuit okay, I know how this is working and how I can intervene to add the kind of pressure I need to add the kinds of thing that I want to do. Right, So I've been through this enough times, both in my head and on paper with my own kind of stuff that it's like, I kind of know what I can take on and I've incorporated a lot. You know, and in the same way we talked about simplexity where now I have a sense of the kinds of changes I'm able to make, even though I'm still like, you know, as I've said before, my reasons for doing this is because I have struggled with consistency and I still do to some extent. But, you know, some people would say that I'm probably pretty tenacious and that I hang in there and I, you know, I can maintain a lot of projects um, and be consistent with them all. And that's probably true, right, from in a relative scale. But yeah, the, the idea is that I've maybe achieved a certain amount of the simplexity where, you know, a lot of the complexity is distilled into this practice that now is quite simple. And what you're going to do is get to that point pretty quickly too, right? Once you start doing this, you start to have a very strong sense of how it's done. And you start to become very sensitive to not only what could I do, but how is it that I'm responding to my environment, you know? And you start to see, oh, I did this thing and it had this kind of ripple effect and now this thing is happening and all oh, that happened a couple of weeks in a row, a row. Now it's pretty reliable that I can say, oh, this kind of thing down here right, was cascading in one of these kind of behavioral trophic cascade things and can start to, I suppose, let things go and introduce things a bit more reliably. Any questions? No. Um, it's, I'm interested to see next week when you come back with design. I think that's really going to bring it home for me because I'm a little bit, it says simplexity. I feel like we're still in the exity. Uh, I'm waiting for it to, hopefully it's, when we get to the next week, it starts to kind of, it's it certainly resonating with me and I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I just, uh, I'm keen now to see what it starts to look like next week. But yeah, it's, it's, it's starting to come together in my head for sure. Right. Now there's a simple version of this. Like if you're, you know, the consumer, you just say, okay, to make changes, they have to be small. I need to chain them to existing habits or existing say, stabilities in my week. So, you know, I'm going to start my meditation habit after I brush my teeth, right? That's a simple version. But what we're doing is distilling this whole complex fear and saying, how can we intervene such that we can have the most leverage and reliably make the change that we want to make and then know how, how we've done that so we can start to hang all the other changes that want to be made going forward. Right. Yeah, that's, so, that's a lot so simpler. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to impart to you a kind of set of skills, right? It's not just, not, not just so that you can kind of have a sense of, oh, you just, you just make the habit small and why not? But it's like, oh, this is why you make it small because this is the way systems change. Cool. Sounds good. Right. Same bad channel, same bad place. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You want to wrap it up there, sir? Yeah, let's wrap it up. So, all right, All folks. right. Um, yeah, we'll uh, 
chat to chat hopefully I think uh, things won't be as said you know what's the word uh, kind of um, you know just getting in the weeds with the details and should flow a lot quicker from from here out so it, it was a necessary evil the details today I think we needed to get it out of the way to finish the intake session get it out there uh, we could have done it behind closed doors and just talked about it but I think where we were coming from was the, the, just trying to do it live to get a real sense of, of what it's like versus just kind of summarizing what we've we done. So I think, you know, right. hopefully, hopefully it wasn't too clunky. Hopefully people are on board and we can uh, catch up again next week. Yeah. Do you know what the funny thing is? Like, I think what we're going to realize, and if so, it's probably indicative of also the value of doing it is that what you're going to do is probably maintain a fairly standard camp of sorts right because actually people who've trained jiu-jitsu for long enough have figured out over the years how best to organize your camp but hopefully we're doing it in a way that is introducing enough kind of awareness and consistency that you're actually having a really i suppose top top quality camp given your context yeah cool well it's interesting i'm learning about behavior too so Radio, let's wrap it up. All right, dude. Ch- chat you next week. <laughs> All right, see you next week.